Hey there, welcome uh, to the Fedora Podcast, the podcast where we're talking about Zelda lore. I'm your host, Crystal, and with me is Monica. Hello. And Cameron. Hi. This is part five of five of our series on The Legend of Zelda Skyward Sword, the origin of The Legend of Zelda timeline. The best game ever made. Some might say the best game ever made. Some being us, sure, <laughs> yeah. I mean, the more we say it, the truer it is. I mean, it's not the best, the spirit tracks. But that's according to the Let's Place canon, which is operating off of a very different ontology than the Book of Medora. Oh yeah, what ontology is that, Cameron? It, one where we have to listen to other people. Okay. Is Spirit Track still first place? Absolutely. It's, Fantastic. It's going to stay there until they uh, perform extreme assassinations on it during the episode 100. Okay. Yeah, before they order a political killing on Spirit Tracks. Because it has allied itself with the Templar Knights. Yes. Do the Templars exist in Assassin's Creed Odyssey, or are you kind of establishing them? Well, the Knights Templar were not founded until the Middle Ages, but there is a precursor organization called the Cult of Cosmos. Okay, so that's been around already, and it's extant by the time Assassin's Creed Odyssey starts. Well, the er the earliest incarnation of the Knights Templar were, of course, the children of Cain. Children of the biblical Cain. Literally biblical Cain. Uh, yes, Cain, son of Adam and Eve. Right. The first murderer. Uh-huh. I yeah, guess he, he sort of founded what would later be known as the Knights Templar. I see. When does... You know what? I got it. Good. Thank you. The poor Aunt fellow Zelda. Knights of the Temple of Solomon. Knights of the Temple of Solomon, you say? Uh-huh. I'm sorry I asked. Well... Or said anything. Unless we left off, Link had just reached the Isle of Song. Yes. Um, okay. So, the Isle of Songs. Um, a lot of really old iconography on the island. Um, the fences are all winged people with arms raised, covered in ivy. Strange part about the Isle of Songs is that you have to crawl into the entrance. There's mm. no door. There's no door. There's a, a little crawl space. Huh. You have to shift around the... The magical floating islands a bit to make the little pathway in all right yeah there's a puzzle that you have to do to get it's inside. not particularly difficult but anyway when you when you can actually go in you you crawl <laughs> the architecture and designs here basically echo everything else that we've seen that seems to worship hylia in the sky right yep lots of winged people lots of white stone there's also ancient winged triforce symbols inside uh, hmm, hmm. Don't know what that means. No. A winged Triforce? Yes. I drew it here for Kim. Oh, I see it. Yes, it is, in fact, a Triforce in a block, and the block has wings. Interesting. That is interesting. It almost suggests a temple or a building of some kind that is flying. And when Link gets in there, a, a singing goddess statue raises up out of the middle of nowhere. Mm-hmm. And the mouth moves. The mouth moves. It's I forgot this creepy. fucking part. Yes. Is it like a marionette? I guess. Or a... Or a nutcracker? Yeah, like a nutcracker. I don't know. And it's singing awakens a memory in Phi. I don't mean marionette. What the fuck? Okay, so it awakens a memory. Yes. I'm trying to think about how that would wake up 
a memory in a, a computer system like is it transmitting data it that's Did her it code word it, it's it's just like that's the that's the event flag that accesses that part of her memory okay cool and it's a message from hylia who is guiding you from her place at the edge of time and she brings up there are three trials that will give you three relics or three gifts um, so that you can um, access the three flames in five dances the dance uh is Ferrar's Courage, and Link receives a vision of green light and loft wings. That's pretty cool. Now, Sacred Flames, huh? Yeah, I was about to say, do they actually go into what the flames are here at all? Um, I only made a note that they're Sacred Flames, but you can pull up the script and see. The uh, out-of-game manuscript, the Hyrule Historia describes the sacred flames as imbued with immense sacred power of the force the goddess sword was transformed to the master sword the force being how they've chosen to transcribe the true force which is the power behind or constituting the triforce right they describe force as the sacred power the gods gave to the world it's the breath of life itself interesting so link basically beats back demise or ganon with life or that is one way to look at it hmm. so these are force gems that are so dense in force that they have they have become like unto stars i think they're just a different um iteration of force gems i think that what this really is is an explanation of how the master sword is portrayed in say link to the past as being a tool capable of countering the Triforce specifically, and that it is forged from the same fires out of which the Triforce assumedly arose. Cool. It contains in... Your goal, as it is given to you, is to take the Goddess Sword and make it stronger by taking into it the flames of the three old gods. Mm-hmm. And this starts the part of the game where... Different people are going to have very different impressions of how much they do or do not like Skyward Sword. The names of the old gods existed at this point. Yes. Okay. Because this is Furor's Courage, this song. And it's also called Furor's Flame when you get to it. Yep. Identified Mm. that way by Fi, who assumedly had that knowledge implanted by Hylia. So even if it is not truly their names, it is the names by which Hylia knows the old gods. What if these are the gods? The flames? Yeah. It's true that we never see what's up with the flames after this. You can reaccess the the rooms where they're stored. And they're still there. And they're still there. Right, you you only stick your sword in it for a couple of seconds. Yep. You you have certainly not exhausted the power within them. And even that small bit of power is enough to counteract the Triforce. To some degree. Well, it's a purification of the sword and Link. It... Yeah, this isn't just about the sword. It's one of the things that we have to get into. But that is kind of the whole point of the next plot, I think. The next half of the game. Yeah. Pretty much. Where do we go? We go to Faron, uh. if the green light wasn't uh, a tip-off for you. And here we pass briefly by Groose, who is working on something, something major, because Put, Impa encouraged him. Putting his engineering degree to work. It totally is engineering. Yeah, 100%. He's something of a mechanical engineer, which is not 
an aptitude that he was able to leverage in Skyloft, where you don't really need to invent things. But you can throw eggs accurately at other people on loft wings. Yes. Oh, I see. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, Groose can explain to you the detailed physics of the arc behind those eggs. Yes, he's very big into lobbing objects. <laughs> um, we pass briefly by Groose and... <laughs> yeah, yeah. He posts trebuchet memes on Twitter. Yes, Groose is that one trebuchet Twitter account. Oh no. And um, we can use dowsing to find the seal here, but it's it's kind of obvious. When you say seal, what do you mean? The the song for Orr's Courage is the key to unlock some sort of a seal somewhere in Farron. And it's invisible until you play the song, right? It's seemingly invisible, only the spot is glowing and there are magical blessed butterflies hovering around it. Oh, okay. That's not and very invisible. A, I know, and it's a very important looking spot. Oh. Um, sort of on your way to the deep woods, there's a little circle. Yeah, yeah. That's a, that's the, spa- the spot with the seal to be unlocked by the song, as explained to you by Fox. Yes. And you play your, your harp there and this unlocks the spot and you stick your sword in. And it's a trial realm. It's a silent realm, yes. as it were. I love the silent realms. I like silent realm. Monica, for our listeners who may not be familiar with what the silent realms are, or why people feel about them the way that they do, could you explain? Uh, mechanically, the silent realm is basically like um, getting the tears of light in Twilight Princess. For those people who have played Twilight Princess and have not played Skyward Sword... How about for someone who hasn't played both? Okay. It's, um... The Silent Realm is basically, um... A challenge area that is in Link's mind. Um, it is basically the same map. So, Farron Woods again. Only there are little, um... Drops of light... Tears of light around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tears of light that are scattered all over the place. Yes, that you have to collect. I think there's around 12 or 15. And then there are little plant bulbs that can illuminate where those tears are. But there are a limited number of those. Yes, and they don't respawn. And then there are giant scary monster things that will one-hit KO you. Called guardians, if I remember. Yes, they are called guardians. The original guardians. Guardians as built by Hylia herself in this trial to test the spirit of the hero. So they're tears of furore, and supposedly um, they are for Link's spiritual growth. Link receives a spirit vessel, which kind of looks like a plant. And this is, I guess, his capacity for growth. And he has to go around and collect it and beat the trial that way. And it, the funny thing about the Silent Realms, and the part that turns off a lot of players is that there's sort of a time limit. As you're running around, nothing happens. The Guardians take no notice of you. But after about, I want to say, 30 seconds, your visible timer will run out all the... No, as soon as you leave the circle. Well, no, I mean, once you grab the... Okay, yeah. The safe zone where you start is this big anime fighter-looking sigil. And if you step outside of that, the Guardians notice you, and they'll come after you. Until you grab one of the Tears of Light, which gives you a grace period of a certain amount of time. I think about 30 seconds to find another Tear of Light, which will reset the timer. So you have to keep finding them with a certain frequency, or else the Guardians will find you and kill you. And you'll have to start again. 
I don't understand how this is a good test for Link. What do you mean? What does this have to do with anything he is tasked to do elsewhere? It's very scary. Okay. I took it as a metaphorical space, because as you arrive into the Silent Realm, Fi speaks to you and tells you, I'm not here, you know, this is all in your head. Right. Um, and indeed, you, you don't have a sword here, you can't swing anything, you don't have any of your tools. Yeah, you there's... can't die if you fall, you can't die from fall damage either. Oh, interesting. Or get hurt from fall damage. So the whole thing here is that it's a metaphor for growth in much the same way that heart containers are a metaphor for personal experience. Yes. And in each of the Silent Realms, because this is the first of four, yep. um, there are areas that you can't touch, um, like gi- these giant glowing metallic-looking pools, mm-hmm. and those are called waking water. And if you touch the waking water, the guardians wake. Yes. And they go, and it gets real scurry. Um, and I sort of took it as like a, a journey through the subconscious, Link's subconscious as his conscious self. Because I take the guardians to be a part of him. Oh. Uh. Try to attack him. Oh. Interesting. If they're a part of him, though, does that mean that they have nothing to do with Hylia? Is this just like a manifestation of his own insecurities? Of his own... Uh, personal inertia. Yeah, that's my take on it. Oh, so this is literally Link trying to grow in spite of the constant pressures of his own weakness. Yes. Link has to keep moving and not stay in one place too long or else self-doubt will creep into him. And he needs to be very sure about how he is moving, where he is going, what his goal is. Yep. Yes. See? The metaphor ties together. Okay, that does work a little bit better than I thought it did. Um, the key thing here is you have to like sort of plot out your route and then you know try to move in a, a very nice flow together so that you don't um, eat up all the time. Can we talk about the dusk treasures? Sure. There are dusk treasures here. What are they called? Dusk relics? Yes. They're like the little Magatama figurines, the little teardrops. To some of our listeners, they would look sort of like half of the yin-yang symbol. But they're purple, and they can only be found in the Silent Realms. And Link can take them out of the Silent Realms and into the physical world. Right. He can manifest artifacts of his own soul physically. Yeah, why not? Okay. So The amber relics are kind of like that anyway. What is the Silent Realm then? If it's a manifestation of Link's own minds, then what is the sigil that you use to interact with it? Is that just a gate that sets up a particular set of stimuli for Link's mind that causes him to go inward? That makes sense. Because he's yeah. very much tied to these places as well. By okay. fate. So it's like the Zelda equivalent to the My Place in Earthbound. Yeah, well, I guess. The eight My Places. Yes. Oh, okay. Sure. And, and this is this I is th- his magicant. <laughs> yeah. Do you think it's like the springs here or are the flames the springs to Zelda? What do you mean? Zelda Does Zelda go through her- some? Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, the springs are her place of purification where she gets in contact with her inner self. So this is Link's equivalent of the springs before he can approach the fires. Because... Making himself more is just one step to being able to touch the work of the gods. Cool. So hopefully you don't die too many times. 
even though when you do, you don't game over. Fi tells you, you can try as many times. Yeah, she describes it as guardians hit you so hard that your soul basically explodes, and then you put yourself back together. Yep. And hopefully it's not too many times. Don't get freaked out. Maybe Link's the one who has deep depression, and this is all him just trying to work through it. Right, Link needs to be able to maybe slow down and take a breath for more than 30 seconds and be okay. That's why he goes back to the sigil and chills out for a minute trying to work out the route. Okay. This is this is his cognitive behavioral therapy. So, um, when you gather up all of the tears of Faror, the um, the spirit vessel inside of Link blooms and a seed sprouts. Uh huh. It's it's a flower petal shape first, and yep. the timer is reflected by a flower's petals falling off. Right. And it, it blooms into a seed, and the seed appears in the real world with Link. Yeah, his soul manifests again. Yes, and or, it bursts into a water dragon scale. No, wait. The vessel is a thing of Hylia that's passed to Link, and the tears of Faror are like manifestations of the energy in this place, and it helps him to grow, but the vessel responds to his personal growth. Hylia left this treasure for him. It's not something he creates. Right, how they did leave it here. And it's a pair of earrings. No. No. Fuck, it's a scale? It's, like, it's a phone dongle. <laughs> it's a phone dongle? Uh huh. Okay. With a scale tied to it. Okay. A dragon scale. Little little phone charm with the dragon scale, and what does it let you do? Oh, it makes you swim awesome, and you can now dive down, and you can do a water spin. It needs to be pointed out here that Skyward Sword has the best swim controls of any Zelda. Uh huh. Fair enough. That's not a super high bar by any means, <laughs> but it's genuinely fun to swim around in this one. It's better than like the original. Majora's Mask, Zora. Oh, yeah. Mask. Much easier to control. Yes. And if you aim yourself uh, towards the surface, you can like breach it with a spin. And like a dolphin jump. Yeah, it's great. It's so great. Kind of makes you wish they brought it back for Breath of the Wild. Yeah, instead of Link not being able to swim much at all. Yeah. But tilt controls were used really well for the swimming here. Mm -hmm. Okay, so now you can swim. What the fuck do you do with that? Well... Fi's like, you know, there are places here, surely, that you haven't explored or haven't been able to. And you're like, okay, well, I'm going to think about watery places in Faron. And there's a watery part right near the great tree. At going down to its roots? Yeah, the weird spirally bit. Oh, yeah. And there's a hole down there. So you dive down and then you end up in the great tree, which is hollow. Oh, much like the Deku tree. Yes. Did we decide that this is a dead Deku tree? No. We did not decide that in point It fact. just seems like a tree. It seems to mostly just be a tree. Okay. I think that this predates the Deku tree. Okay. Or maybe you're going to meet the Deku tree in a second. Maybe. Uh, I'll need you to explain what you mean after we get <laughs> to the I'm suggesting that Faron is the Deku tree. Oh, I thought the- you were going to say the Kikui with dreadlocks. No, not Yerbal. <laughs> but Yerbal. He's good. You you climb the, de- uh, the not, not Deku tree. Because you have to go through the interior and go through some puzzle bullshit. And to, kill a moblin. To get above the water line. I think it's the first moblin that you have to kill. Oh, yeah. Moblins in this game are like big old chubby boys with big spears and big shields that you kind of have to run over and hit them in the butt. Or you can cut up their shields so they throw the shield away, but that makes them more dangerous. It's better just to run over them and hit them in the butt. Yes, to all of those things. And if when they die and fall over, they can hurt you. If you stand too close. Yes. Does Phi also 
comment on their leopard print underwear? I think so. Yeah, I thought she would. They all have very stylized leopard print underwear. Anyway, you climb outside of the tree and you hear some snoring come from a branch. It's serious snoring. And you aim your uh, beetle because the beetle doesn't use ammo. I've used a slingshot. And it's a kikwi. Yeah, you hit this little bush and it stands up and it's like, stop it. And he's initially reluctant to tell you anything about the water dragon or the flame. Because the water dragon guards the flame and the water dragon is kind of a dick. Yeah, she's described as being very uh, persnickety about manners. And also that they made all the kikwi promise not to divulge anything. So she's probably going to eat him now. Yeah. Um, so he tells you this is a secret to everybody. Wink, wink. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 25th anniversary, people. <laughs> oh. Yeah. And, um, but also the that the goddess gave the flame to the water dragon of Pharaon so she could pass this on to Link. So Hylia was the guardian, not just of the Triforce, but of the sacred flames, which also embodied the power of the old gods. Yes, and she assigned the responsibilities to the dragons. Did she just take command of all of these when the other spirits of good died in the battle against Maladus? Well, she claimed it before. Huh. How do you figure? Did she not claim ownership of it back when the surface was at peace? That's how the story goes, but it's the story as told by humans. Right. When did she claim the Triforce as her own head? I think probably after this. uh, mm, I don't know, actually. (laughs) Yeah. When did that symbol first appear? There's two s- parallel narratives that are running in this podcast. One where Hylia is uh, doing these things because she's the only one who can do them. And one where Hylia do- uh, is doing these things because she wants to control the universe. Oh, it can be both. She can she can be uh, uh, a benevolent dictator. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of what a god is. Right. And you hope. Sometimes there are gods who are not good and, in fact, are bad. She can be like Pericles of Athens and be like, we're going to do democracy, but also we're still an empire and also have slaves. Is Pericles in Assassin's Creed Odyssey? Uh Uh-huh. Do you kick him in the balls or something? Well, he dies of the plague historically. Sure, but that doesn't mean you can't just land one in the stones. Inject plague into him. Yeah, you do not group. kick him in the balls. Oh, the, the standard uh, assassination animation is punching someone in the balls and then stabbing them. Yeah, that's with the spear of Leonidas. Of course, it is. Why would it be any other spear? Well, well you're, he's your grandfather. Uh, you punch him. You punch him in the in the crotch. Ouch. Yeah, I mean that still hurts. Yeah. I mean, I think it's more like, wow, what are you doing? Ah. <laughs> Oh no, I'm dead. Oh no, I'm dead. And that applies for people with and without balls. You'd be surprised before you realize how much it hurts. Yeah. So, back to Zelda. Nobody gets punched in the balls in Zelda. No, nobody does. The Kikui tells you to look for a symbol that kind of looks like... No, wait. You have to get to the door and then figure out the symbol. Anyway, there's a symbol of furor and it looks like a rock hitting and ref- making ripples on a pond. It looks like... A little circle doing um, the sonic boom from Street Fighter. What? Okay. And, you know, it's, it's a very hard riddle and you totally have to, you know, light up your sword and jab the, the door to finish the dot. Yeah, you have to draw in the little circle because the circle's missing in the door that you have to open. 
Where does that door lead? To uh, Lake Floria. Lake Floria, which is where the dragon is. This is uh, the part that defines it as a good Zelda game and good video game because you jump into the waterfalls. Oh, right. In case our listeners have forgotten, Monica has a very, very, very strict understanding and criteria by which we can judge a video game to be good or bad. If there are waterfalls, can you jump down them? Bonus points if you can dive. Yep. And you definitely do jump down. And you dive. Yep. So Skyward Sword is a good video game. Ocarina of Time is a good video game, especially in the rupee collecting mini game from Zora's Domain. Breath of the Wild has several that you can jump down. That, that covers it. Uh-huh. Can you dive down waterfalls in Assassin's Creed? Of course. Okay, good video game. Yeah. Uh, Lake Floria uses the watercolor effect really nicely. All of Faron does, really. Yeah, it, it feels like the game was sort of visually designed around the particular color palette that this region uses. And Floria does it better than most because it has this really clear water and this sort of sandy colored stone that's tied in with lots of purples and blues. Yep. And uh, pretty much immediately you run into these funny looking jellyfish creatures. The worst. <laughs> the, the worst. Most are sort of a yellow and blue. Yeah. But there's one that's red. They're like seahorse jellyfish. <laughs> and what is her, what is her name? The one that's red. Um, I don't know if she's ever given a name. She is defined it's... as like the head or the. Boss I'm sure that Phi could. Her name is Jellyf. Oh, I did. Are you here. pissing Jellyf? What? No, no. <laughs> I'm not taking the piss of you, mate. <laughs> you can't have a jellyfish seahorse called Jellyf. Jellyf. I... I actually wrote her name down here. I just... <laughs> just skipped over it because her name's Jalif. Jalif equal red one. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, this is the part where Cameron is proven wrong from a previous episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because um, all of these uh, Perellas, they're called. Perellas. Um, talk about another human breaking in recently and... Um, harming uh the water dragon oh yeah because it's like another human harming the water dragon zelda no that doesn't an impa why would impa beat up the water dragon they left into another world so yeah they're yeah they're gone that doesn't so they've been mistaken girahim as human uh several do that comes up a little bit later yeah well Anyway, spoilers. Any, anyway, they thought the human was, Girahim was human. So I said that Girahim was never mistaken for a human, and that's very fucking wrong. I mean, vertebrates all look the same. Yeah, pretty much. The What are these things called again? Perellas. The Perellas are no Zora. No. They are the Zora, though. What? <laughs> I mean, as much as the Kikwi are the Koroks. Okay. So are you saying that to take away from the idea that the Kikui become the Koroks, or are you suggesting that the Perellas become the Zora? I think one goes with the other. I think it's not hard to say that the Perellas evolved bones and became the Zora. Crystal, are you thereby suggesting that the Magma are like a split branch family of the Gorons just because they live in Elden? No, the Magma became the Hillians. Crystal, this is a very serious podcast. Very serious. Trademark. With the TM at the end. Yeah. We got this trademarked. Trademarked very serious podcast. No, I'm sorry. The, the magma just, once the humans came down, they're like, hey, time to get out of here. 
And they dug so deep that they dug into Termina. Good. I'm so glad. Uh, and then they built a tower and that showed them putting their butts on the Triforce and also licking it. <laughs> Isn't that something a Magma would do? Yeah, I mean, of all the peoples that we've seen in The Legend of Zelda so far, if we give them these stereotypical accents, I think that they're the most likely. We don't see any magma butts. We see hey, one I'm teabagging over here. Oh, okay. Anyway. Um, I thought that the Zora were supposed to have come from the Old Kingdom and been monsters. So you journey down and you chase after this red perella called Jellif. Fuck. <laughs> and um, she eventually starts realizing that you don't mean any harm I oh, right. After, She's terrified of you. Yes. I think after you beat those big, scary cross headfish uh-huh. that that try to ram you and then you just ram them. They've got these heads that are sort of like pompadours with a big X on the front. And they just slam into you. But if you do the spin attack at them, their heads explode. Yep. And then Jellif approaches a shell door, a door made of shells, and... This is where you realize that her head looks funny. It kind of looks like a key. Oh, God damn it. I forgot this part. And it is a key, and she unlocks yeah. the water she, dragon. She, she's she's the key. To, somebody built that door and installed a lock in it that her head would be used for as a key. What happens when Jellif dies? They still use her body. Oh. Are they make a new door? I don't know. Oh. Okay, so you open the key, and you, you open the door, and you go through it. Then what? Um, Farron's there. Oh, hi. What? Tell me about Farron and what's going on with her specifically in this sequence. And also, who's Farron? What is this? Farron is a dragon. Oh. Uh, she is the water dragon. And as of right now, she is very tiny and she's in a big pot. Oh. Uh, soaking in some sacred water because she got injured by Girahim. Oh, okay. So Girahim showed up and fought. Why did he attack the dragon? Wanted to stop Link, I guess. Being angry at not knowing. He's apparently going around trying to find another um, gate of time. So he thought that maybe Farron would have some information and tried to beat it out of her. Mm-hmm. Huh. Well, he did come away from that fight better off. Though the uh, umbrellas do say that even though Farron took some licks, she ate most of the monsters. Yes. Um... She's initially very insulted at, you know, how dare you have her scale and invade into her place. But then she realizes that you are the goddess's chosen hero. Mm-hmm. Um, she does say that she's going to eat that hermit kikui, though. Yeah. Um, and she does want to test you or give you a long side quest. Yeah. Main quest. Yeah. In that you have to fetch her some more uh, sacred water. So that she doesn't die. <laughs> right, because that will accelerate her healing process. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can set that as a dowsing target. Sure, yeah. Okay, we're going to skip all of the having to look around for it. It's in the first dungeon. Yeah, that's a great twist. Yeah. You douse and you go, I wonder where this is. It's sure leading me close to the dungeon. Oh, it's in Skyview. But you can't douse inside of Skyview. Right. But... So you have to go like, where is most likely to be sacred water? that room with the waterfalls yeah 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 um there's a funny part in where um Faron is in that there's these little really tiny mounds inside of the water 
connected to that central dais where Farron is. And each of them have like tiny cages or like bars. Sure. And it's clear that those are where the Pirellas live. They don't have any bones. They just squish into their homes. Oh, okay. I just thought that was neat. They're like little octopi just squeezing on in there. Yeah. Sorry. Back to Skyview. couple of things. One, what's Lake Floria? What do you mean? Why is it called Lake Floria and not Lake Hylia? Who's because Floria? I don't know. You can't name is too it, many things after Hylia. Is it set after Xenoblade Chronicles? Is there a Floria and Xenoblade Chronicles? No, that's Fiora. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry, Xenoblade fans. <laughs> all six of them are very pissed off right now. It's okay. We all really like Fiora on this podcast. Even Monica, who's never played Xenoblade. In Japanese, uh, it is derived apparently from Ferori. Oh, interesting. Hmm. I would have just thought that it was derived from flora for plants. That's clearly what it was changed to. That's the intent behind the English localization. But if it is meant to be derived in Japanese from Faror's name, that also makes a certain amount of sense. Yeah. Faron. Yeah. So it's basically Lake Faron, if you want. Okay. What was the other question? What is the connection between Faron and Faron? Eh? Like Faron province in... Do you mean Faron the Light Spirit? Yeah. Oh, the Light Spirit. We agreed back in the Twilight Princess episode that they were probably the same being. Really? Hmm. I'm pretty sure that happened. In fact, I think all three of us said that. Okay. I believe you. Is Faron the one... No, that's Laneru. That's a big scary yeah, that snake. Laneru is a serpent. Faron is a goat? Um, no. Faron, I think, is the monkey squirrel. Oh, yes. Monkey Ordona squirrel. is the goat. Yes. Monkey cool. squirrels, the most persnickety of animals. <laughs> Apparently. Um, though that does bring up the question, who the fuck is Ordona? Yeah, who the fuck's you Ordona? You got that formed. Further colonization of the lands of around Hyrule leads to new guardian spirits. Okay, that does make sense. Though it also, that's just the same area where the Deku tree used to live. No, that's Faron. Is it? Yeah. Okay. The geography and Twilight Princess escapes me constantly. Um, okay. But the, the basis of us assuming that they were the same spirit came down to us reading the Dark Interlopers as being the Demon Tribe. And how the war with the interlopers was the war with the demon tribe. And that the light spirits who sealed them away would have been the dragons fighting under Hylia. Right. That was our reading at the time. Do we think that still holds up? No, I think that holds up. Yep. Okay. Back to Skyview. Yeah, you're in the Skyview temple and you got to go to that place after the boss room. Um, There are better enemies in here now. They're tougher. I think you have to fight three Stalfos at a time. Oh, yeah. Um, Hit them with bombs. Sure. And you run into um, more of the magma who tried to raid the place and look for like that golden key or whatever. Only Link is like, uh, sorry. Yeah, he already <laughs> Used the key. exploded it. Sorry. They're very, very upset. Um, you wander. I think you have to f- dig up a, a hidden key. Yeah. Good thing that you have those magma gloves. Um, into getting into the final room where the uh, spring is. And the sacred water only comes from one of the four waterfalls in the background for absolutely no reason. What was that, Crystal? Oh, no, sorry. That's the garage door opening. <laughs> oh, okay. Cool. 
um, one of the four waterfalls is sacred. The other three entirely ordinary. (laughs) Junk. Junk waterfalls with not holy water. Um, You just load some of the water into a bottle. Yeah. Well, how else are you going to transport it? I don't know. Fly the basin over? No. No, that makes no sense. No. What the fuck? (laughs) You tromp back to Farron. And you're like, hey, girl. And then you dump the sacred water, a bottle's worth. Yeah, a bottle's worth. Into the giant pot. Well, keep in mind that Zelda had been bathing in this sacred water, which means Hylia was using it, which makes it double sacred. Okay, sure. Yeah. But uh. that was her favorite waterfall. <laughs> what, if he, what if I just drank some water and spit it out? Yeah. They're like, Pleh. and she's like, wow, that worked too. Right, she's, she doesn't have like, a, a, she's not going to digest it. She's no. going to stay in there. And Farron bursts out of the pot being gigantic yeah now she's huge and gigantic what does farron look like um she these dragons look really spooky because they have spooky don't you think so they they are asian dragons with the long serpenty bodies sure but um she's wearing a kimono yeah um and they have human faces yes that's very jarring and human shoulders and arms and shit yeah to wear the kimono yeah um, and she has the symbol of Pharaoh on, on her, or Faror on her forehead. Yes. Anointed with the power of the old god of courage. Yes. Um, she leads you. She's very happy. She compliments your abilities or something like that. So I may have uh, underestimated you very slightly. Leads you to the waterfall at the back of um, her abode. Yeah, it's the secret and this giant waterfall is specifically, um, did we note it or did she say it? The waterfall has barred the entrance to this area that Link has to go to to access the first flame. Yes. And this is how we know that. This is what she says specifically. Give me just a moment. Waterfall barred entrance for many years. Okay. So... Farron takes you into a place near the back of Lake Floria where a massive waterfall falls in front of a shadowy building. and It's shaped like a fish. It's shaped like a big old fish, as is kind of a running theme in this series. And she uses her water powers to stop the waterfall. And she says, Go, the sacred flame you seek lies within this place. While the waterfall has barred entrance to this place for many years, monsters have still found a way in. And inside they flourish. Why come Pharon has water powers and is blue? As opposed to green? Right. And having uh, life powers. You might as well ask why Pharoosh is green and has the uh, lightning powers. Ruling over the desert. They wanted to mix things up. I don't know. Oh, I'm talking about, that's Lanayru in this one. Oops. I was talking about the Breath of the Wild dragon. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the, I don't know. The dragon spirits in this timeline are very different. I think after a few thousand years, they're like, we're going to change up our aspects. Maybe it just reflects the state of the land that they rule over. But uh, water important for plant. Okay. Water big important for plant. What's with lightning and uh, wisdom? Lightning's like the speed of your thoughts. I mean, <laughs> tech needs electricity to run. 
You need intelligence to program. Okay. <laughs> Elden did not switch it up. No, Elden. Uh, Elden's uh, very conservative in that regard. Very orthodox in his interpretation of his place in the cosmology. Yeah. So you enter into this dungeon with your cool entrance sequence. And this is the ancient cistern. Yeah. What many people will call the best dungeon in Skyward Sword. They're not wrong. Some might call it the best dungeon in the series. Some might. It is very easily my favorite dungeon. And by the time we're finished with it, I want to take a minute to talk about why. But only when we're done. Okay. I'll try not to trip over that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ancient cistern. So, as again, on the outside of the dungeon, there's a large crest of either a sunflower or a lotus. And inside, that uh, lotus theme really keeps up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There are lotus lamps um, that light the fire into the, the hall into the dungeon. There's lotuses inscribed on the walls. There are actual lotuses and lotus roots growing. Now, what's the importance of the imagery of the lotus flower? It's a very Buddhist symbol, um, specifically of purity through growing through muck, because the lotus blooms through muddy waters. It, the most common image of it being what is essentially a pure, beautiful flower growing out of what is essentially sewage. Yep. And I think the Buddha is usually depicted sitting on a lotus. They're very tied together. It's just my my childhood imprinting yeah. knowledge, not any sort of learned reasoning. Anyway, uh, the ancient cistern is a water filtration system. I think if you ask Phi and ask about locations, she talks about this. Mm. But, I mean, it's sort of implied through the um, the setup of the dungeon, even if you don't uh, hear that specific dialogue. And this first room is gigantic, and it's firstly very unusual for a dungeon. It's beautiful. Yes, it's very much a temple of worship, but it looks like something out of a storybook. Yes, there's a giant smiling Buddha in the center of the room, and he's cross-legged with his hands submerged into the water. And there's two there's silver rupees on his hands. Yeah, get those rupees. He'll grab you. Oh. Get them fast. Yes, then it's fine. Oh, no, get the beetle to get them. <laughs> I don't know. No, the beetle can't go in the water. Okay. Anyway, um, there are these really magical looking like phoenix-like birds flying around. They're monsters. But yeah, they're monsters. They're pretty monsters. Do you know the proper pronunciation of phoenix? No. Phoenicus. Phoenicus. Cool. Was it spelled differently? No, it's still spelled phoenix. Oh, but is it not an X? Is it a key? Uh, yeah. Oh. is It is Greek. Okay. That does make sense. So is Phoenician... Phoenician? Anyway. No, Phoenician's a different thing. Cool. Yeah, that's just an anglicization of the... Dis- okay. Yeah. Um, there are giant fish heads along the walls, and they're sprouting out, or sp- shooting out waterfalls. Yeah. And... <laughs> This is totally aside from everything, but um, the large center door under the Buddha, I think I showed both Crystal, you, and Cam the picture. Yeah. Do you remember that door? Yeah. What about it? It looks like a vulva. Oh. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. That that looks like, uh, mm, yeah. like a vulva. If our listeners doubt 
please uh, pull up a Let's Play or something on YouTube of the Ancient Cistern and gaze upon that giant door. It, 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 I take back everything I said about this being a very serious podcast. It, what? Cameron. What? what, the, what is that I'm not like? saying you're wrong. I am far from saying you're wrong, actually. Volvos can be very serious. Uh, what do you see as the significance of it? Um, it is femininity, and it is birth. Where is it positioned on the statue? Uh, in front of it. Okay, so it's in roughly the place you would expect. No, it's a little high re- and forward relative to Buddha's head. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not like literally where, you know... It would be on a body. What's inside? What's behind the fucking door? You go into the Buddha. Oh, well. Hey, here's my question. Why is why is the Buddha here? It's Hylia. Okay. Hylia's the Buddha. That's did a- I say that in a previous episode? Because I, I meant to. I think you probably did in the Fire Temple. I, I wrote down a sticky note that said, what if the old gods of Hyrule were the Buddha? But what if Hylia is the Buddha? I mean, that's, that's definitely the imagery that's being conveyed here, I think. Or if not Hylia specifically, then at least the sacred in general. And I guess the doors bearing that resemblance to genitalia does suggest something of the sacred feminine as applied to Hylia. Yeah. I don't fucking know. <laughs> um, this is one aspect of the dungeon I wasn't prepared to talk about. Sorry. I know, yeah, it's fine. No, I didn't spot it until I, I replayed this dungeon and I was like that. I remember you bringing me over to the computer where you had taken your screenshot and you were like, look at this. And I said, oh no. Don't show that to anyone. Except everybody. Except everyone, apparently. Your first task in this dungeon is to... You see these weird symbols around. Um, There are, I think, what are called expressions of gratitude, which is very interesting because like the gratitude crystals. Sure. There are marks on the Buddha on its back, back rear and then on the back of right hand the hands yes and then you have to hit so upper back lower back yeah you have to hit a puzzle lock that's shaped like a flower in that specific order oh i don't know um it needs to be said that even though we call this the best temple in skyward sword because it is and arguably the best temple in the series because it is this is also the game's water temple Uh uh-huh yeah, people don't really realize that. Uh, they don't associate with it the essential frustrations that are the first identifiers for water temples for a lot of people. It's much better than the water temple in Ocarina of Time or Twilight Princess. Or Majora's Mask. Or Majora's Mask, which has its own unique problems. Or Wind Waker. Which one was the one in Wind Waker? All of them. Okay. <laughs> They're all water temples. I was thinking Tower of the Gods? No, all. Tower of the Gods had some water puzzles. It did. Um, there's a lot of puzzling around. I won't get too much into it. Sure. We you, don't we, we don't necessarily need to describe the entirety of the progression through the temple. Yeah. The design of the temple, it's just very golden all around. Um, for very this part. light filled. Hmm? For this part. Yes, for this part. And um, a lot of lotus is, you jump down on the leaves and you can realize that when you flip them, the underside is spiky. Yeah, they're covered in thorns and shit. And then you start encountering monsters, like, you start encountering Skultulas. Yeah. Which are always a little bit disturbing. Yes. Um, my goodness. Oh, you get the whip here. You have to fight a Stallmaster. Oh, yes. You, you have to jump down into the center part of the Buddha 
Right, because it is, and once you get inside of that first chamber, it's like this hollow tower. And you jump down to the floor of it, and there's a Stallmaster down there. Yeah, it looks, the ground looks a little bit weird. Uh-huh. Weird how? Unlike the rest of the temple. Okay. A little bit spooky. Spooky, like bones spooky, or? I don't remember if it's in this, this initial room. Or is it just the coloring? The coloring. Okay. Anyway, you fight the Stallmaster who... Four arms. Four arms. Two arms initially hugging itself you beat its ass yes and you get the whip yeah you get the whip which is one of the good items in skyward sword crystal what do you think of the dang old whip is cracks real good <laughs> that's yeah has it has a good whip feel to it you can grab you items it. yeah <laughs> that is important it's basically this game's replacement for the hook shot and the uh grappling hook from wind waker yeah, you can use it to swing from poles. Which is much like in Spirit Tracks. Even though there are claw shots in this game. Yeah. Hmm. Never mind that thing I said. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, the whip, you can turn these spouts. You can do a lot of things with yeah, this. It's a very diverse puzzle-solving tool that is integrated into many different parts of this dungeon. And you unlock these water jets and you go to the top of the Buddha and inside its head. And you look and you say, there's a weird door lock that looks like a lotus here. Oh, yeah, of course it does. Better go find out where the key is. Yeah. Um, you wander around a little bit more and then you get washed into a... Oh, you have to jump into a large whirlpool vortex. Uh. And you get sucked into the other part of this water filtration system. Hell. <laughs> yeah, it's basically the Buddhist hell. Now, Cameron, here's my question for you. Shoot. What is the rope snake from Mother 3 doing in the Ancient Cistern? That would require spoiling Mother 3 for you, and I'm not going to do that. Okay. The rope snake went, went on vacation. Okay. Sh- sh- sure. I only know it as the grab move from Smash Brothers. Does Lucas still have that? I hope he does. Yeah, it might not be the greatest. It's one of his moves. I, know, I like it. I hope that he still has it in Smash Ultimate. Because they've been changing up several people's grabs. Like, Link no longer uses the hookshot. Oh. Because Breath of the Wild Link doesn't have the hookshot. Can't believe they nerfed Link. Well, here we are. Everybody's grabs got nerfed at least a little bit, apparently. Except for Ganondorf, because there was nowhere to nerf him too. So, um, hell, what was your feeling the first time you landed here, Crystal? Uh, I don't know. I don't quite remember any particular feeling. Oh, it's just. I remember being impressed that oh, this is like a whole other thing in this dungeon. It's like a, it's like a whole second set of aesthetics altogether. Right. I the first time I played it, I was like, I gotta get out of here real fast. Monica gets easily freaked out at imagery that involves the dead too explicitly, and also like hidden, like putrefaction or whatever yeah like corruption that lurks underneath the surface is one of the things that makes monica leave a fucking room it's bad (laughs) so this part of the ancient cistern is actually pretty scary conceptually for monica but she's gone through it a couple of times now so it's not as big a problem so for people who haven't played the game it's this entire place looks rocky and um you are underground and it's toned with reds and purples and chains and bones and um there's one chamber where the floor is made up of tens of thousands of bones that are piled together running down into a pit yeah it's spooky it it, it's sort of like the shadow temple 
from Ocarina of Time, only Skyward Sword is brighter and sunnier in general than Ocarina of Time is, so the shift in tone here is really severe. And Link wakes up, um, and he's jailed down there for some reason. Yeah. With a jailer Bacoblin pacing back and forth in front of the bars, and hopefully this is where you remember that a, you can you can hit things through bars in this game. Yep. And also you have a whip. You just got the whip. And the key on the Bokoblin is glowing, too, to help you piece everything together. You whip over the key and unlock yourself and blow up the Bokoblin. And you feel extremely clever. Yeah. Is there a particular reason why there's a pit of malice underneath the ancient cistern? Yes. Okay. I'd say for the symbology. Okay. What's your take, Crystal? Hmm... I don't know, what what exactly is the purpose of the ancient cistern? Well, the ancient cistern as it exists is very much a trial for the hero, I think. Yep, but it's also a water filtration system. Yeah, it's a water filtration system, like, on the surface. It is. It seems to be, if you read generously, um, it's taking the putrid water that is the below place and filtering it and purifying it and spewing it up top. Which disperses it to the rest of the Lake Floria and uh, Hyrule at large. Bur- birthing it, if you will. <laughs> sure. Yeah. All Through right. the, the birth canal. Yes. That is where things are birthed very often. Um, perhaps it's actively cleaning the mess that occurred from the great uh, battle. Ah, he's that- using the power of the sacred flame of Ferori to cleanse the malice. That is a thought. You do get the ability to move the statue at some point, yes? Yes. The you Is that before or after you get out of hell? The first time you go down there, this current time, um, you have to grab, I think, a key. And that's when the Buddha's feet lower down onto the ground. I don't actually, I think you locked out of access of the key. The actual way to escape hell is climbing the rope. Yeah, that's the second time down. Oh, okay. I think. Sorry. Notes. Rough. The first now, my understanding is this whole thing is sort of a retelling of uh, an old Buddhist fable. Uh-huh. Do you and, want to which tell I'm it? I'm not familiar. Yeah, I'm not familiar with it. Oh, okay. I think it's called The Parable of the Spider. So, uh, jumping ahead to the part, but Link has to venture down there again, and this is where the pit um, bones. of bones is, and... There is a single, it looks like, it's not quite a thread. It is a pillar in the game, but um, the the fable is this. I think there was a sinner in hell, and he is sort of bemoaning his fate, and he wants to get out, of course. And is it the Buddha who hears him? Yes, the Buddha hears him and sends a tiny spider to help. And the spider weaves down a thread of silk down to the sinner, and he grabs onto it, and he's climbing out of hell. This is a very strong yeah. spider thread. And as he's climbing, he looks behind him, and he sees all these other sinners climbing up after him. And he's like, they can't be doing this. They'll break They're, the They'll thread. break the rope. Yeah. So he fights and tries to hit them down. And, and as soon it, as he hits that first strike. Or in the struggle, depending on how you look at it, the, the thread snaps. I, I I always heard that it was at the first strike because the implication was that if they had all just climbed, they all could have gotten yeah. out. Yeah. Either way, the thread snaps. They all fall back down. I think the Buddha looks over and is like, oh, well, that's well. that. <laughs> that's why they're down there to begin with. 
And Link makes it out, though. Yeah, so you jump onto the, the thread and you start climbing as Link, and all of a sudden, all of these Bokoblins poof, and they're climbing, and they're actively restraining you, and you actually have to fight. You can't do, like, if you're a savvy Japanese player, you might be like, oh no, I better not fight, but you gotta thrash, and you, you manage to climb out. Well, it's not that they're trying to escape, it's that they're trying to keep you from escaping. Very different. I guess so. That was also very spooky. Yeah. <laughs> Too many spooky things. Monica has a very low spookiness threshold. Yeah. Yeah. Other things down there, while we're still down there, there's skulls of giant demons down there. And I think in each one, you can actually like fly the beetle through the glowing parts of its eyes. I think one at one point there's a crystal, at other points it's rupees. There's chains, like chains with padlocks on the wall, or um, what do you call it? Where it Manacles. Manacles on the walls. And there's like a river of blood. Oh yeah, I forgot the river of blood. <laughs> Literally river of blood. It's This is hell. Yeah. It's just intensely hell. Yeah. So you get out of hell and you gotta go do a bunch of things and you float from switches with the dangle whip. Yeah, and well, yeah, he, he redescends into hell. Yeah, like you go up and down and all around and the Buddha statue ends up stomping its feet in hell and at one point you make it stretch its neck really fucking far. Yeah, the... The boss key is the part that's under its feet, so huh. you have to raise the feet again, I think. And that's when you go back down into hell. Yes. And get the key. The blessed idol key. That's the name of the boss key. And it just looks like a little person. Yeah, little Buddha on a lotus. And the remark is that it's supposed to inspire gratitude. Uh. I'm thinking gratitude crystals are a lot more important. <laughs> than, than force gems? On. Yeah. Um... The feet, oh, they crushed the cursed bokoblins. Yes. We're not going to get into the cursed bokoblins right now, are we? Uh, we will. Yeah. Well, I'm going to leave that for you later. Sure. Let's see. So you get the key, you go back up, and you unlock the door. Uh, um, you also have to do the thing where the Buddha's neck stretches up. Yeah, you get its neck to stretch up real long, and it's deeply unsettling. This is what made me think that the Buddha thing was actually evilish. Uh-huh. I don't know if it is, but... It it's creepy. Yeah. <laughs> this whole temple is creepy once you learn of everything in it. Sure. Um, you need to extend the neck so you can properly climb and open up the door there and stick the Buddha into the lotus flower. Yep. And um, that opens up so you can climb up atop its head. Yeah. And access an area where the ancient automaton is. Kalaktos. Yes. But as you go up there, you're not alone. No. Because Girahim is there. Yes. Surprise! It's Girahim, again. Um, Crystal, do you want to describe that scene? So Girahim's just kind of uh, sitting, lazing around on a big pillar in the middle of the room. He says he's looking for clues to try to resurrect the Demon King. And all of Link's buzzing around is giving him a big headache. So he snaps his fingers and disappears. And the ancient automaton Kalaktos awakens. It was a bunch of pieces on the ground originally. What would you describe the means by which Kalaktos's pieces are bound together, Crystal? Well, I would say that it is powered by the malice. Because it's just this black and purple energy that's holding its pieces in place. Yeah, pulsating heart. It's, uh, very evil, and it's also one of the best boss fights in the game. 
People love this fucking boss fight. It's fun. It's got a little creepy because all of the the evil dark stuff is clearly overloading the system. Uh-huh, of this sacred robot. Yeah, and its neck is, again, very distended. It's got multiple faces, doesn't it? Maybe. Or am I thinking of something else? You could pull up an image. No, I was mistaken. It's only got the one face. And it's sort of this beatific, serene face. Except when the malice flares up inside of it and its eyes grow very wide. And its mouth starts to open up just a little bit. And the way that you have to fight it, it has six arms. And usually it only fights with fewer weapons. But it starts off in the floor. And when it swings its big weapons at you, its arms will temporarily get stuck in the floor. So you whip at its joints, rip its arms off, pick up its big weapons... And start wailing on it with them to break through the armor covering its malice-encrusted heart. Yeah, you don't have to rip off all of its arms. Just one will do. Yeah. Because you can then pick up the giant saber it's got. And the saber, when you swing it, will detach the other arms. And it goes through three phases. It pulls itself up out of the floor. Eventually it fights you with six swords at once. And you have to stay away from it because it can destroy everything in the environment pretty quickly. But overall, in a lot of ways, it's a pretty simple fight. You just have to learn how to dodge its particular moves and don't try to parry anything because you can't. It's too big. But Collectos is a fun fight, and it's kind of fun thematically, too. Very visually engaging. Feels good to wield the big sword. Oh, yeah. And you you swing that sword just like you swing your regular sword, only it takes much longer. Why doesn't Link just use this sword to kill Demise? It's not the holy sword. <laughs> Put it in the flames. Oh. <laughs> I think that Phi would get jealous. Oh, okay. I mean, can't, if, do, can't, can't stick Phi on the flash drive. <laughs> if, if, you, if you were Phi and you were going through this whole thing and instead the person wielding you decided to just use this bigger unwieldy sword that he can barely swing for no particular reason except that it's big... No, but Link has a USB stick and will port you over. Oh, I see. Yeah, but Fi might not might like her existing body. I guess so. She doesn't want to be forced into this big sword. She's like, this thing's sort of ridiculous, and how are you ever going to put it into a pedestal? 90% sure it's inconvenient. Well, it also evaporates. Like, it, whenever you hit its core, Kalakdos' powers reactivate, and it sort of rips the sword out of your hands. Yeah. And the sword just sort of evaporates when you kill Kalakdos, which dies while extending its head like five times longer than usual, uh, laughing like a crowd of children. This is so freaky. <laughs> it's a big freaky boss at the end of a f- kind of freaky dungeon. Um, when the corruption clears from the room, it becomes clear that again there's a, a lotus symbol on the floor. And you've purified You purified the room. Good job. Yeah. Um, you open up a door with a Triforce symbol on it. Triforce symbol and Furore's symbol. It's both. Um, and you walk into the room and there's Furore's symbol again. And a giant flamey green flame. A giant flamey green flame. Uh-huh. It's a real big f- flame. <laughs> it's a really big flame. It, I don't know how it's pretty intense. so close to it. And Fi, jump into it. Yeah, there's this interesting sequence. They're all a little bit different because link gets used to it but uh, that first one the first one he's totally caught off guard 
as Phi jumps into the flames and stands there and wreathed with the powers of the gods. And then the the flames start shooting at Link and, and raise your sword. Yeah. And he has to like sort of he, push he, back against it. He holds his hands up defensively and has to push back against the might of the gods as it infuses his weapon. That's a really cool sequence. It gets more violent in the next few. Yeah. Um, like in one of them Phi damn near kills him. <laughs> right. It's um the the blade ends up longer? Yeah, it does. It grows. And the the mark of courage appears on Link's hand. Yes. Now he has the symbol that we first see in game in Ocarina of Time, where the symbol of the Triforce of Courage is glowing on his it's his right hand in this one, right? Yeah. That's interesting. Because he does not have the Triforce of Courage. He does not. He's gained the worthiness of it. What he has done is shown his worthiness in the eyes of the old gods. Or at least according to how the Triforce will respond to it. So he's gotten the authentication key to hold the Triforce without it splitting apart. Sure. Well, for, for that one piece. Yes. If he touched the Triforce, if it did split apart, then Courage would remain with him. Right. Uh, Link exits the temple. Again, not by warping. This Link just walks. Oh. Can we talk about the ancient cistern for a minute? Yes. Okay. What's our general impression of this place? Spooky. Cool. <laughs> I'm glad that you guys are so... I, I'm glad you I don't know what you mean. Okay. Like, what do we take away from it? What is the whole idea behind its construction? What is Kalaktos? What? Why is it the way that it is? Kalaktos is the sacred guardian of the flame of Ferrari that was corrupted by Girahim's dark energy. How do we interpret the fact of the place being sealed off utterly since the fall of Demise, but demons and monsters have still found their way in and propagated? Well, they were born from the malice. That isn't quite how Farron describes it. She does say that regardless of it having been sealed, they have managed to be inside, as in this isn't a state of being that seems to naturally occur. Hmm. They were sealed in with it. That's actually what I tend to think. One interesting thing about the ancient cistern to me, and more interesting than the fact that playing through it, is that the ancient cistern draws out the entire narrative of Skyward Sword, the game that we play, writ small. It takes place on three distinct layers. The world in which you normally move through, the surface, which is the underworld, and the realm of the gods to which you aspire. Is that where you fight Kalaktos? That is where you fight Kalaktos, which is the holy form corrupted. And this is interesting to me because Link moving through this dungeon is moving through the world, so to speak. He does need to go down to the surface and face evil. He does move through the equivalent of hell and facing demons. One of the things that I think is most interesting about this dungeon is that this is one of two, I think, places in the game where you can run into cursed bacoblins. What do we make of the cursed bacoblins here? They can't die. Five says, uh, is able to reanimate purely through its hatred of this world. So, isn't it interesting then that something which feels so much hate that it refuses to die, something so infused with malice that it is immortal past the war that ended demise, but also that it shrinks back from the symbol of Hylia. 
We didn't get into that because we saved it for now. Why do the cursed bacoblins fear Hylia so? Can you expand on what you mean by shrinking away? Basically, they behave more or less like any other set of bacoblins. They're less aggressive because they're just zombies. They're just regular old zombambo enemies. But if you pull out the sacred shield or the goddess shield, then when you hold it up in a defensive gesture, the bacoblins will shield their faces and back away from you. It's pretty effective. It's very effective, and it's good for making space when you're fighting them. But why are they so afraid of it? Corruption fears Hylia? I think that it's not quite that. The way that I originally envisioned this when I first started thinking about the ancient cistern, and this was a while ago, was that the reason that the cursed bacoblins fear Hylia so much, and the reason that there is so much malice here, is that Hylia gathered it all into one place. Maybe with the intent of purifying it, but more immediately with the intent of using it as a trial for the hero. What this is really doing is highlighting that no matter how much evil assumes it is acting of its own accord, at least within the context of Skyward Sword, it never is. This is always at Hylia's direction and discretion. It is not demise that we are fighting against at any given time. It is not Girahim who we are seeking to cast down. The ultimate goal that Link has is to fulfill the plan that Hylia has for him. It is not to be the sword that is wielded against demise. It is simply to become the sword. The actual antagonistic force of Skyward Sword was never demise in the first place, which is why he and Girahim appear so little, and the effect of their behaviors is felt so little outside of dungeons. Everything is down to Zelda and Hylia, and that's it. Yeah. You move from the surface to the sky to the realm of the gods, back and forth, like you do in the ancient cistern. And throughout all of this, you are always moving in Hylia's shadow. Hylia, like the statue, reaches down into hell to exert her influence. And with her own body, forms a bridge to the realm of the gods that Link can take. Anyway, that's how I see the ancient sister. I haven't got, like, I should have thought more about this before I started talking, but... It's basically Skyward Sword writ small, and it recontextualizes a lot of my understanding of the game. It's not that Demise and Girahim are bad villains, though I think that they're less effective than pretty much any iteration of Ganondorf. It's that the game doesn't really have a villain. The real antagonistic force was always Hylia and Zelda. That's pretty cool. Why didn't Hylia just not die? Because she couldn't. Why? Because she fought Demise. Okay. That's it. She was Demise's equal, but they were equals. And where she could seal him, he struck the killing blow against her. You could also interpret in a way where she wanted to be able to control the Triforce. To be able to set it up in such a way that it would be safeguarded from things like Demise. Yeah. She's creating a world where demons do not run free. Which I guess leads into the possibility that she's actually seeing the consolidation of evil in the future from outside of time, seeing Ganon and going, you know what, that's probably the best option. Man, Though how there... bad is it if that's the best option? Um, yeah. 
But to to basically cause it so that her bloodline would be in charge of protecting the Triforce and would be able to wield the Triforce. Who else could you trust in Hylia's place? Yeah. Okay. That's it. That's that's the big reason that the Ancient Cistern is my favorite dungeon in the series. It's very rich. You can go through it with an eye towards everything and the symbology of making holy things out of profane things and profanity infecting the sacred. All of it plays very nicely into each other with the imagery of the game. And it makes the entire game feel richer, I think. So we exit the ancient cistern and you speak to Pharaon and she actually remarks that Link still currently does not possess the strength to wield the full power of the blade. Yeah. So get you to the Isle of Songs again, part two, where a smaller singing statue pops up on a a swing. On a swing, yeah. Um, And it's still doing the uh, fucking... Mouth flaps. Yeah, the mouth flap. And uh, um, it unlocks another memory of Fi's, Nehru's wisdom. Um, La Nehru is the next ground you must travel, not Elden. Hmm. Hmm. They're mixing it up a little bit. They're changing the order. Yeah. And the uh, color that you're imbued with is blue, not yellow, like the pillar of light. Right. Um, because uh, blue is the color of Nehru. Yeah. Um, the most powerful of the colors. <laughs> blue. The pillar's not blue because, again, the sky's blue. So they didn't want two blues. I don't know. Wait, why is blue the most powerful of the colors? It's the highest energy. What about, like, ultraviolet? Well, yes, I mean, of the three visible colors in this game. Okay. Oh, Cameron. <laughs> um, uh, Nehru's Silent Realm, much like the first, it's along the part where um, the mining facility is. It's not too hard. How do you get to it? There's a little glowy spot in the sand. Oh, right. It's just, we're going to another silent realm. Yes. Only this one's in the mining facility area. Yes. Run, Link, run. Don't be like me. Um, One of the final uh, tiers, you actually have to roll into a tree to get. Yep, don't save that one for last. Oh, you could, but don't like trigger the guardians on the second to last one, like I did, and then run over and then go, this is the spot, where's the tier? Oh, no. Oh, no. And then not roll into the tree. Anyway, I had to do that twice. Planning your route is probably the most important part of the Silent Realms. I like to work for the outermost tiers and then work my way in. Um, you get the most craziest reward out of this. Uh-huh. It's the claw shots. The claw shots. Not the ability to swim, but claw shots. Double yeah, claw double, shots. Double claw shots, both at once. You're Spider-Manning from the word go. You're. Uh huh. I mean, the claw shots—they're good in this game. They're better than in Twilight Princess, I would say, because you can aim with pointing. You can aim with pointing in Twilight Princess. Point controls. Yeah. Oh. Absolutely. Okay. I mean, you I were playing the HD version. If you're talking about—I mean, in the Wii version, you can aim with pointer controls. Okay, but not all versions. Not all versions. No, there's mm-hmm. no non-pointer version of Skyward Sword, to be sure. So, if I remember, you have to take the claw shots back to the beginning of Lanayru, where you initially come down, and then get up on a cliffside and zip over to the other side of the cliff, and then run through an opening, which takes you to a whole different area of the fucking desert. 
Yeah, it's sort of like a center, central point right. in the desert. Um, there's like a cluster of bombs and then there's like signs that I think the Gorons erected. Yeah. Saying like, here's where you go to like a mining area. Here's where you go to the, the facility. You know, here's like the deeper sands or whatever. Yeah. And you meet Golo, assistant to Gorko here. Uh, what's Golo do? Um, he's digging to where he thinks an ancient dragon is located. Oh, yes. Yeah, you can fund his research with some rupees. What do you get for funding his research? I guess he digs through. Oh. He pays you back like several times over. Oh, okay. Um, he's also a giant coward. If you throw the bomb over, he ducks. It's explosives. Why would you? Can you imagine yourself not ducking at a bomb? Maybe if I was a Gorin. Monica, you got scared of Kalaktos, and you're a real person outside of a video game. Kalaktos isn't a bomb. Kalaktos very much is not. Oh, I see. Okay. No, I don't see. This is silly. G- Golo did nothing wrong. Okay. To be perfectly clear. Um, you use one of the entrances here to enter the Sand Sea. The Sand Sea? The Sand Sea. What some might call the best area in Skyward Sword. It was apparently originally an, an actual vast sea, but it evaporated. I'm not joking. It desertified. It desertified. And all the, the time stuff uh, gets <laughs> yeah. even weirder in this part. Yeah, it, yeah. It, the t- every time we touch the time stuff, it gets considerably weirder. And the further we get into the game, the more it stacks on top of itself. It's fucked. What do you mean by the time stuff getting weirder here, Crystal? So, okay, there's Skipper. You, you meet you meet this this little ancient robot named Skipper. Yeah, he's he's a good cow. He's a good good guy. LD three hundred one N Skipper leadership model. Skipper is is a parent. Yeah. And Skipper also had a crew. Yeah. Because they were the captain of the sand ship. Which is a warship. Yes. It Uh, it also had the ability to be invisible. Yeah. So when you first meet Skipper, they are dead. But there's a time shift stone near their boat. So you hit it and Skipper comes back to life. And they are aware of their own temporal resurrection. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, let me pull up the line. <laughs> yeah. I think that the line you're looking for is for after you actually reached the sand ship. If you think about it, they should all be dead. The only reason I'm up in the bat like this is because of that time shift stone on the boat. Yep. For weep. <laughs> and, like, realizing that makes Skipper feel much better. Well, because it's scared of the monsters. So scared. Um... This is where they also mentioned that there were there were pirates that attacked their crew. The crew is imprisoned. They were thrown overboard. The crew is imprisoned in the distant past. Yep. They're not imprisoned now. Now they're dead. But in the past, they're currently. I guess they in, died imprisoned. But in in the past, they're imprisoned. Uh huh. And you have your small boat to help search um, for the ship and crew, and you know you're finding the ship because. Um, the flame is there. Yes. I don't know if that was clear. It's what powers the sh- sand ship and also allows it to turn invisible. Yes. Hylia took the essence of the power of one of the old gods and built a boat around it. <laughs> well, I mean, what do you want? No, I mean, that's good. If you're going to fight demons with a boat, it might as well be a god-powered boat. I don't right. know if it was to fight, but it's definitely to protect the flame. 
Oh, so it's like a mobile, invisible stealth fortress. Yes, I would say so. It's like a nuclear submarine. Sure. Protecting nukes rather than launching them. We can't let anyone find our nukes. Let's put them on this submarine. Right, because the flames of the goddess are force gems that have grown so dense. No, 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 no. Nuclear fusion. No, no, no. Like the sun. No. God damn it. Either way, um, you first have to go get a sea chart. Wow, that takes you back to the all Wind Waker. Yeah. Slash. um, You have to get a sea chart so you can navigate. Yeah. And that's at Skipper's Retreat. Which is Skipper's house. Yep. And Skipper's family is in there. Yeah, you climb all the way up and you go to his house or their house. And there's definitely two smaller robot bodies and like an, a, a larger robot body. Skipper's partner and two children. And um, I think also along the walls, there's like a lot of photos of Skipper, Skipper and the and tiny Skipper's robots. Crew. And yeah. then there's like a Titanic, uh-huh. like one robot holding up the other robot at the prow of the ship yeah 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 that's clearly skipper and skipper's partner and then like there's like little writing from the kids like my dad something something yeah 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 it's about how much they love their dad skipper um this part's really sad what the fuck is this (laughs) what why is it like that because they want to make you feel bad well it worked (laughs) like the these robots have such a cartoonishly rich personal history between each other, and they plainly have art and feelings and are essentially human in every way that matters. And also, they're all dead, and Skipper's alone in the world, and you can't bring his boat close enough to the house to resurrect Skipper's family. That's messed up. Um, God damn it. In this room, you also see this pattern that you'll start to see all over the place, which is, I guess, the... The crest of the ship. It looks kind of like a G with a horn. Yeah, a spiral. I, I think it's meant to depict the flame. Oh, okay. Of uh, Nehru. Um, if you look about the house too, um, suspended in the top center area, there's like a, a, a fish or a whale with helicopter wings. Uh, clearly a toy for the kids. Yeah. The, 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 the children robots have toys. Yeah. I guess they would, wouldn't they? Are they are the child robots smaller? They are. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they if if you don't start off small, Crystal, how are you going to grow up? <laughs> what? Right. Um, and when you go back to Skipper, they remark that the house holds dear memories of my family, and also when will I be able to go home to my family? It's too bad they couldn't afford a time stone in their house. Well, I mean, guarding the sacred flame of Nehru doesn't pay that well. Well, I mean, like the the time shift aura of the sand ship is pretty large. They could just like bring that over here and get his family and bring them on board, or bring the kids to work. Just pick them up. Yeah, just carry just carry their bodies. But you have the time shift stone problem because they can. Are they going to live on this tiny boat? Oh no, the big boat. Once you get the big boat cleaned of you know giant calamari. Anyway, it's like Skipper is basically Admiral Bobbery from Paper Mario The Thousand Year Door, only slightly less tragic. (laughs) Are you familiar with Admiral Bobbery? I'm not familiar with Admiral Bobbery. Oh, oh my. Did you never play The Thousand Year Door? I never have. Crystal, it's so good. It It is. It's genuinely one of those games that more or less lives up to the way people talk about it. Okay. It uh, ad- There's a chain murder mystery. 
Yes, there is a train murder mystery, which is like jumping off of waterfalls. One of those secret things that rockets you to the top of the Monica charts. But Admiral Bobbery is, I think, the last character that you recruit to your party. And the whole idea behind it is that he won't join you. So you have to go on this rather infuriating quest where you run from one end of the map over and over, trying to figure out how to get him to join you until you go back to his house and... Somebody has a letter that his late wife left for him, and basically you take the letter to him, and he reads it aloud. And his wife says that though she knows that he'll be mourning now, his first love was the sea, and that he has to be able to find his heart again. And she would not be able to rest knowing that she had taken that from him. Oh, and it's and I'm actually not presenting it as sad as it is in that goddamn game because Monica's getting visibly upset next to me just talking about it. And keep in mind, this is just a very pirate-looking Captain Bomb. He's just a Bomb Bomb with <laughs> a, a hat and a big ass mustache. <laughs> the Bomb and like uh, and like a pirate wheel on his back. Hold on. How did she write this letter? She wrote it before she died. I think she was sick. With what? hands what do you mean <laughs> is she a bomb bomb um, i would assume she was a bomb bomb how does she write the letter with a pen just like how goomba can participate in the mario parties how did she hold the pen cameron short range telekinesis okay alternatively i suppose maybe bomb bombs write by exploding themselves there is a sub genre of thousand year door fan art that is just admiral bobbery and his wife who is never visually depicted but is named scarlet so she's nobody can agree on what she probably looked like but it leads to a lot of things probably red yeah i've read bomb Mom. i love how bobbery just like explodes himself to fight yeah every time he fights he runs over at people and blows up <laughs> okay yeah that's how he fights anyway paper mario the thousand year door is very good and you can catch shades of admiral bobbery uh in the skipper well, there's a whole wrestling sequence that pe- part people love too oh yeah if you're big into wrestling there's a lot to enjoy in the thousand year door they should make another paper mario game they should like a traditional style one. Crystal, you might like that little comic. It's the sort of sense of humor that... Oh, let's see this little comic. <laughs> it's a good comic. Yeah. yeah. You see, the joke is that Admiral Bobbery is very sad. Um, slight detour on the sad robots and or bombs. I think that's pretty much this entire section of the game. <laughs> okay, okay, but slight detour into the sky. Oh, okay. Um, because with the uh, um, ability to uh, claw shot around, you can actually claw shot into Zelda's room. Oh, yeah. You can just go into her room, which has been locked the whole time. Right. You can do a, a breaking and entering. Um, it's a little bit different in Skyloft, I think, because you can just go into people's rooms and sleep in their beds and they don't think anything of it. I feel like if she locked her door, that's a pretty clear statement of intent. Hmm. I guess that's fair. Nobody else locks their doors, though, so it's hard to... They do, at times. Oh, they do? Yeah. Okay. Um, You have to claw shot into a chimney. Link is doing some real cat burglar shit here. And then um, you look into her, her, her chest of drawers, which... 
There's a heart piece there. It's where you find five rupees in everyone else's armoire. And um, you really should do this at night because there's actually a gratitude crystal in her room as well. Just one. At night. Yep. It only appears at night anyway. But that's also when you can see why the uh, the bathing room is always occupied at night. Yes, the bathing room is inaccessible for the vast majority. In fact, the entirety of the game. Yes, and because this is a um, manga. <laughs> People complain about it. No, there's like a bath peeping no, no, no. I'm saying that characters in the game complain yes. about somebody right. using the bath all the time. But this being like a high school drama thing, there is, of course, a bathing, peeping sequence. It's not like the game frames it as a cutscene. No. You just can, you can look down and Kapora's down there and he's having a bath. Yeah. That's the whole thing. Bathing your sorrows away. You know, this is bath. It's Oops. fine. I think Self-care, so. important. Yeah. It, it leaves he, the stress. He, he shouldn't hog it so much that everyone else starts to complain about it. All the other people are shit kids who, <laughs> oh. you know, fawning over each other. And... Oh, yeah. He's just like, I swear to God, if Pippet and Karin don't get their shit in order, I'm going to throw them off the clouds. Yep. Guess they're going to miss the panty raid. What? I said, I guess you're gonna miss the panty raid. Crystal, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> We're missing this reference. Hold here. on. Hold on. What are you referencing, Crystal? <laughs> SpongeBob SquarePants. What? Squ- SpongeBob? There's, a, there's an episode. Oh, oh no. Hmm? Oh, I remember this. Go on. Yeah, the episode where uh, SpongeBob and Patrick try and hang out with Mr. Krabs, make him feel young again, and, and then they do the 1950s college fad of breaking into the rooms of young women, such as Zelda, and stealing their underwear. It, is this a sequence where Link is going to make Kapora feel younger by breaking into the room <laughs> of his daughter? <laughs> yeah, and stealing her underwear. Oh, no. Crystal. <laughs> You made this, like, this sequence was already kind of iffy after you pointed out that the door was locked. But just to be clear for our listeners, that armoire that Link opens is not Zelda's underwear drawer. It's more like where you would hang your coat. Okay. To be perfectly clear. Link's a snoop, but he's not that kind of snoop. He's not going on a panty raid. He is not. Are you sure? He is not the Mineta of his own story. I'm sure some of our listeners will get that. The ending of... He's the diaper great. Uh, that episode of Spongebob, they end up breaking into Mr. Krabs' mother's house. Oh my gosh. And he steals his mother's panties. Then his mother catches him and grounds him. I mean, that's appropriate. That would make you feel a lot younger, being grounded as an adult. Oh god, the only thing I remember from that episode to start with is the opening bits where... Mr. Krabs just has the radio yelling at him about how old he is. SpongeBob is such a good show. I actually excised the panty raid thing from my mind. I forgot <laughs> utterly, and I don't usually... What the fuck? I thought you were making a Family Guy reference. No, no. I wouldn't I wouldn't reference Family Guy on this show. Well, thank you for the consideration. I have too much respect for the Book of Medora. I'm glad... We're just reaching into the very dankest of SpongeBob memes. 
it was a good moment the first time you saw it. I was like, what? what? It's maybe the strongest what the fuck moment in any cartoon in the past 10 years. Oh, that episode is much older than 10 years. Oh, oh. How old is it? Probably more than 15. Okay. Um, back to the sky. <laughs> oh, yeah, sky. You, you can, can also retrieve the baby rattle. That's good. You can give it to the baby. Yes. Get gratitude crystals. <laughs> well, I mean, you do get gratitude crystals. Yes. What's so funny? Are you just thinking of SpongeBob and Patrick and Mr. Krabs breaking into Mr. Krabs' mom's house and stealing her underwear? Like, he just broke into Zelda's room. Yep. Yeah. You're telling me he didn't steal her panties? Yes, I am. He's he fucking might as well if he's already gone this far. All he did was just flop on her bed a bit. Oh, okay, that's all. Yeah. I think that breaking into the room is a much larger transgression than sleeping on the bed in the context of Skyloft. Because beds are usually... They're just open. You can sleep on anybody's bed and they don't care. What about taking her they, heart piece? They textually don't care. Oh, no. No, that he's not taking a heart piece. Oh, fuck this. Okay. So heart pieces are symbols of Link's personal growth. Yeah. He gets a heart for that because he works up the courage to look in Zelda's private space. Works up the courage, huh? Yeah. I'm not saying it's a good thing, but it's what happens. Am I wrong? Um. How would you read it then? He gets a heart piece for figuring out that you can claw shot the chimney. What? <laughs> no. Uh-uh. That isn't how this works. Crystal, how do you read it? I think he, uh, you know. Okay, whatever you're thinking, just say it. And if it's so bad that I have to cut around it, I'll just cut around it. I think he stole her panties. What? <laughs> you this, keep coming back to this. This is a personal development. That's why he got the heart piece. Because he, 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 he did, you know, he did a, a mission, a steel mission. God damn it. God damn this game. And goddamn this podcast. I'm so unhappy. I am so unhappy. What? I can't he, take this. He looked into her closet. Which is not her heart- drawers, to be clear. You, she, okay. <laughs> no! That's not canon. It's it's not that... It's a bit you know, invasive, either way. It's inv- A bit? <laughs> yeah, a bit. Oh. They're basically I am dating. glad that I'm glad that Crystal's happy about that. they are dating. They are dating. And okay. I, you know, maybe it's oh, a bit no. weird. Crystal sent us something in this. Oh no! It appears to be um, Mr. Crab. This is the picture that Crystal just sent us, which I guess is another thing that she was laughing at really hard. Is a fan art of SpongeBob and Mr. Krabs by. In exclamation point K from 2014. Uh, SpongeBob is saying, are you feeling it now, Mr. Krabs? And they appear to be doing some (laughs) marijuana. And the smoke is billowing out of all the holes in SpongeBob's head. That's pretty creepy. (laughs) The point is, Link's Link's a real creep boy. Well, I mean, maybe you locked your room so that other people couldn't sneak in. But maybe you're okay with, you know, your boyfriend or girlfriend going in and and rummaging I'm not going to I'm not going to try to justify this anymore I'm I'm done I'm done engaging with it 
Like him getting into her room in the first place is It's a bit weird. It is invasive. Him looking in her coat closet is also a little bit weird. I don't know why he had to work why the game treats it as an act of personal growth that he did that. He did not steal her underwear crystal. What the fuck? <laughs> I'm going to have to cut like 20 minutes off this episode. I hope you're ready to keep recording. Okay. How would you cut that? I'm going to cut it all. We just Don't. We just stopped at the talk about Admiral Bobbery. No. Okay, we're going to keep going. Oh, I can't believe I'm going to leave in all this ignorant bullshit. <laughs> Link, okay, Link's a creep boy. Uh, what else happened in Skyloft? Um, you retrieve a baby's rattle. We so got that, that part. So that the poor potion shop guy can finally soothe the baby to sleep. And get some sleep. And get some sleep. The potion shop uh, owner, what's her name? Uh, It doesn't matter too much. But she sleeps through the whole thing. She doesn't care. Yes. She's very tired after days of brewing potions. Though, really, she's not brewing shit. She's selling the wares while he does all the stirring at the back of the shop. No, he specifically is probably just... um, Upgrading potions. It's a side hobby of his. Right. She assumedly makes the other potions. When does she do that? I don't know. In the morning? Yeah, I guess. Anyway, she sleeps real good. Yeah. Are you feeling it now, Crystal? Yeah. Okay, good. Um, you know, marijuana is about to be legal in Ontario. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I forget what day that is. Like the 17th? Something like that. Yeah. By the time this podcast comes out. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Actually, is that the case? <laughs> no, I'm just saying what day is it today? It's Sunday the 14th of October. Oh, yeah. So definitely by the time the podcast comes out. Yeah, it, it, it'll be uh, legal on October the 17th, which is a Wednesday. Boo, boo, boo. Um, Ash Wednesday. Is it Ash Wednesday? No. Ash Wednesday. <laughs> Shut up. Damn it. <laughs> It's not in the sky, but um, you can start doing things with Gorko now. Writing um, magical pictures on the walls. Skyward Strike powering your sword and then on these magical goddess walls drawing pictures. I just like the descriptions. He's trying to uncover all of these hidden mysteries and he just can't figure it out. Like, what is a glimmering hexagon? It's a Okay, a glimmering hexagon. It's a rupee. Got it. Yeah. Rupees are, I guess they are hexagons. Now, to be perfectly clear, Crystal, I'm not saying that no Link does it because Cartoon Link definitely stole Cartoon Zelda's underwear. Okay. That's it. Yeah, but that that was different. That was a consensual pet play thing. Goodness. Um, shall we return to the Sansi or are we calling it for an episode? I mean, it's episode five. Oh, yeah. Episode five of five. What do we do from here, Crystal? Episode six of five. What about episode five, part two? Okay. Yeah. Let's call it here right before we go back to the Sansi. Sounds good. Where can people send us questions? You can send questions to myself or Crystal on Twitter, at CamWriter or at ArcaneCrystal, respectively. You can also send questions to the podcast email, Podcast at gmail.com. Let's, let's clear some questions from the question document. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Sarah asked questions about the Infinity Skeletons. This is in reference to a video showing that in Ocarina of Time, the skeletons progressively grow larger throughout the night. And if you mod the game so that it's night all the time, they will just keep growing indefinitely. Yeah, the biggest ones always like double in size with each cycle. And if you're quick, you can get up against some really large ones even without modding it. But in the video that Sarah linked here, um, they get to be like the size of Ganon and then twice as big as Ganon. And then like the size of Link wearing the giant's mask. Yeah, it seems like they'll just keep growing until the game crashes. It's really amazing how the game can can process that to begin with, though. I don't know what kind of limitations there are on that sort of thing, actually. How different is it to make a really big skeleton that's using the same assets as a really small skeleton? I assume there is a limit to the size of the world, and I think once they hit that, there's going to be issues. Yeah, like where's the ceiling? Do they come? You know, I I I, I don't think. Th- so, what do we think they are in canon? What are the really large style childs? Even like the ones that can appear in the game. What are the ones that are like the size of Ganondorf? Well, maybe it's like beating up a bully and then a bigger bully, like the bully's older brother comes. Yeah, along. but whose bones are those? Or, or, bigger bully. Okay, what are the style children? Skeletons. They are. I think they're supposed. It's never said in game, but I always sort of assumed they were like the bones of those who died in the Civil War. Right. Mm-hmm. So I guess it's just some big people died in the Civil War. I guess in theory, it, Sarah, if we take that video as being canon, then yeah, giants fought in the war. One of them is Big Orin. Well, it makes me think that Captain Keita was born on a long night. Oh, what did Captain Keita look like when he was alive? Uh-huh. It might not have to match the skeleton form. I don't think the stall children are literally a specific person's skeleton. I think they are made of bone, but they're more like they are spirits that embody themselves in bones. Okay, so it's not like Jerry's ghost is coming after us. It's that bad spirit created by the ill feelings of the war is lifting up the bones of the dead and wearing them as armor. Right. That makes sense. Yeah. And therefore they can put lots of bones together and make a big skeleton. Yeah, okay. I guess that makes sense. And we only see them as single bones because that's all that the N64 can convey. Right. Yeah, no, it's not like they model all the hundreds of bones of the human body. That's true, they don't. Also, their heads don't look like humans. They sure don't. What's up with those heads? Are they horse skulls? They're not. It's an evil spirit's best attempt. Oh, to reassemble the shattered skulls of the fallen. Yeah, the spirit's only like two millennia old, so give it a break. Oh, okay. I'm sorry, spirit. (laughs) One of the best jokes in The Good Place is when... Uh, one of the characters talks about these these darn millennials and explains millennials are demons that have only been torturing people for a thousand years. Oh, I see. Instead of the, the people, the kids. No, I got Millennials aren't even kids. Millennials are all in their 30s. We're all millennials. It's true. Everyone on this podcast is a millennial. And we're kind of on, yeah, millennials, right? It's a pretty wide range. Well, they got rid of the other one. What's the other one? I can't remember. 
Oh, okay. Something that we fit under better. or Old millennials? The older millennials. Gen whatever. Gen X? No. Oh. Gen X still Gen exists. Gen Y? Because they used Z. to call millennials Gen Y. Right. They sort of merged that together. There, there was a think piece that was like, don't call me a millennial. I'm an old millennial. That is the most millennial thing I've Our ever listeners heard. can't see it, but I am making the biggest jack-off motion right now. Much like Link. No! God damn it! Why is it like this? He broke into this poor... This, this woman who, by the way, is going through quite an ordeal on the surface... You're not and wrong. He, he, is, he is taking advantage of her absence to break into her room and steal her goods. Why does it have to be a stealing thing? Why do you keep doing that? It's the act he, of breaking he, at into least, the room not he, enough. He, okay. He opened her closet and... Got a heart piece. Got a, Yeah, got a heart piece. So he didn't take anything. But he saw. He saw. It's the act of opening the closet that does it. Right. Which is even weirder to me. Because it's like, oh, he grows from this very invasive thing. As if that's just part of growing. Which is a weird stance for the game to take. Uh Uh-huh. Do you think Hylia knew this would happen? Well, of course. She knows everything. Oh, okay. So it's like Zelda's sitting back in the past, and she recalls Hylia's memories, and she's like, oh, wait, he's going to be looking at my things right about now. Shit. Make sure you clean up before you get abducted. Especially before you have the capacity to know that somebody's going to be breaking into your room. Right, Zelda just had a feeling that morning like, you know, I should really get my room really clean today. Hold my panties. <laughs> Why do you do this? <laughs> you know, I should, I should put my panties in a hard-to-reach hidden location. God damn everything. Wow. Okay, good. I'm glad. Can we get to the next question, maybe? Uh, yeah, sure. Okay. Um, I don't remember if we did it on air last time. I think it was. But we came to the conclusion, yeah, in last question segment, that Link to the Past Link is one Link, and the Link presented in the Oracle games and Link's Awakening is a second Link. Therefore, we're dealing with two separate Zeldas, which is why Zelda from Oracles doesn't recognize Link. In response to this... Rob sends in a question. So what would one of Nightmare's forms be a Ghanim then? If it was a different Link, he wouldn't know who that was. Which is pointing out that the final boss of Link's Awakening takes on the form of a Ghanim, who is one of the bosses in Link to the Past, and Ganon in disguise, which is one of the threads that people use to draw between Link to the Past and Link's Awakening. So what do we make of that? I have a theory. Uh-huh. Because not only does the Nightmare take the form of Ganon and Ganem, it also takes the form of Zol and the form of Moldorm and the form of Lanmola and the form of Dethel. Dethel, I think, is particularly interesting. What is Dethel, Crystal? Oh, well, Dethel is the fond form of Vati, the Wind Sorcerer. You don't say. It's got the same claw arm things. And the same big eye. Yeah. Well, I think the key thing is the the nightmares, they take on a whole bunch of forms. And it's not... The nightmares were here before Link. Yes. They are... They were living and preying on the windfish before Link arrived. 
with Link's arrival, they went a little bit nuts because they knew that Link would be instrumental in keeping the uh, waking the Windfish. Right. But they were there, and they're from the Windfish's experiences. What's your take, Crystal? I think this this whole thing is a combination of both the Windfish's experience and Link's experience. Okay. And the reason there is a memory of Vati is perhaps the Windfish knows of the wind sorcerer but also perhaps there is a memory hidden within the spirit of the hero Hmm. i see i think i can get behind that a little bit see my understanding was that since and obviously the final design of the shadowed nightmare was not uh congruent with vati at the time because vati wouldn't exist for like another 10 years but if we read that as being a Vati form, and it's very easy to do so, then it seems to me that these aren't really Link's nightmares at all. They're just the wind fishes, and these are all evil things that he knows about. It's possible that the nightmares drew from really scary things from a collective past, though. From the entire Anero-verse? Yeah, or, you know, along that timeline, because Vati has existed by the time of, of course. Link's Awakening. Yeah. As has Ganon and Aganhim and Azol. <laughs> well, the point is that's there are multiple places where they could draw that information. Right. But the existence of Aganhim, while a good thing to point out, doesn't necessarily preclude this being a different link. Mm-hmm. Like, you listen to the stories of your ancestors and hear of all these creepy people or things or monsters. Sure. The hierarchy of these enemies is interesting. How Lanmola is scarier than Ganon? Yeah, yeah. And the the ultimate fear of the Windfish is Vati, the Wind Sorcerer. Yes, I mean the that, Windfish fears the Wind Sorcerer. That makes a certain amount of sense, I guess, and is also very silly. And also, we don't know what sort of quests um, Link's uh, Oracle Link went through to be worthy to face the Triforce. Yes, he probably didn't fight a Ganon. Maybe he fought some other evil sorcerer. Well, what I'm saying is he definitely didn't fight Vati. Right. So it's not... What what we are suggesting together as a podcast is that it's not necessary for Link to have fought any particular beast as presented by the Nightmare. Because they are not, at least not exclusively, Link's Nightmares. Let's see. Tommy 200 Hands asks... How is it that Ganon always seems to take over Hyrule in every timeline without the use of any real army or internally destabilizing force? Does this just speak to the Triforce as a power? I think it speaks to Ganon as a power. He has internally destabilizing forces and armies. Yeah, he has used both of those things. They often, uh, like, just take a Ganon, for instance, where he murders the king and uses mind control on the standing army. Or the fortune teller. Or the fortune. Caleb Webb pointed out a very uh, good observation last episode that Ganon seems to strike when there is no queen, when the kingdom is at its weakest. Yeah. Always. And if we take the breath of the wild backstory in a certain light, it seems very likely that an emissary of Ganon probably murdered the queen. So Ganon does actually go by a pretty standard playbook for overthrowing kingdoms most of the time and doesn't seem to rely on overwhelming force in and of himself, usually. Well, he has... The majority of his army are monsters. Yeah. Which he can completely control. Sure. He doesn't have too many, like, 
people who could theoretically backstab him. No. Why would you? If you're one of the greatest traitors of all time, why would you have people? Yeah. Even when he had the Gerudo, you know. Kind of left them behind. He didn't really use them, aside uh, from brainwashed versions of them. Yeah. Yeah, didn't even trust his own folks. Made sense, though, because he was doing some something so terribly um Bad. We've got a lot of emails. Yay! Emails. Email time. Oh, are you doing the impression again? Of, of Brad Shoemaker? It's the Brad Shoemaker impression. Yeah. On Brad Shoemaker. Oh, right. I wrote a joke. You did. Monica did write it. I have not opened that Yay. yet. Monica completely forgot her own joke. I, I have. Yeah. I don't know what the joke is about. Shakal Draconis writes in, Hi, crew. I always just assumed that you didn't see any clouds in the sky in Skyward Sword because of the huge holes in the cloud layer opened when you activate each stone tablet. If the cloud layer is quite close to the surface, then the hole that takes up only part of the screen from above might fill the whole sky from below. Just my thoughts, Shikal. Huh. Hmm. Hmm. I mean, that's possible, but I don't think it really lines... It would have to be a very big hole. They don't seem that big. Yeah, I think you, you'd be able, if it was that, you'd be able to see the hole and then also see overcast in the distance. Yeah. Yeah, I think. I mean, that's a that's a good thing to point out, Shakal, but mm, I don't know if it quite fits. That's a wonderful sort of logic. Yeah, that that is definitely the sort of thing that you would expect to be leveraged. So thanks, Shakal. Um, my, what does it look like when it rains? Does it ever rain when you're on the surface? Um, I mean, from Skyloft. Does it ever... Does it rain in this damn game? It does rain in the Thunderhead. There are clouds that could extend higher than Skyloft. Oh, God. Okay. I guess what I mean to say, when when the cloud layer is raining and thundering, what oh. does it look like from above it? Oh. That would be very weird. It probably just looks really dark and lightning-y. But maybe it doesn't rain from the cloud layer. Maybe. If, if it's the, a portal. If the cloud layer is just like a barrier. Our next email is sent in by Andrew. <clears throat> and the subject is Skyward Sword. Which, you know, these are the right episodes to send in that for. Andrew writes... Because of Demise's sword having an upside-down Triforce, which is also the symbol of Lowrule, and Girahim being the spirit of that sword, is Demise from Lowrule, and is Girahim the Lowrule equivalent of Phi? I tell you what. Oh, no. A Link Between Worlds is the least canon game in the series. Really? It's... Because it makes things very inconvenient for me, personally. Oh, okay. In what way does it make things inconvenient? It... The whole the low rule concept and what happened to their Triforce uh, affects many ways that we can interpret the Triforce in uh, in High Rule, which maybe we don't want to. Like the idea that it can be destroyed and the universe will just keep spinning, or rather that it's the linchpin holding the universe together, and that if it's gone, everything just comes apart. Because that's what happened in Low Rule; their world was ending. Well, it wasn't. It wasn't. It was holding on for longer than you'd expect. Hilda was stealing the Triforce specifically because Low Rule was coming to an end. And she would rather Hyrule suffer that fate than let her kingdom fall. My take on this situation is that Demise wasn't aware of Low Rule. Demise just, you know, it's like, like people the- who purport to be satanic and then they flip the cross upside down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's like, 
You like the Triforce? Well, here it is, upside down. <laughs> that makes I'm the bad boy. That makes him the big Satan. I'm edgy. Yeah, you cut yourself on that edge. That's my take, though, and it's not very charitable. If Demise was from, was from Low Rule, why does he want the Hillian Triforce? And because they destroyed the Low Rulean Triforce. Maybe Already? they destroyed it to keep it away from him. Oh. So it kept going for thousands of years. Listen, I have some opinions on what Low Rule is. And we're not going to get into them right now, but okay. it's very silly, and I don't think that their Triforce was ever actually all that real in the first place. We can oh. revisit this question. I, yeah, I still think that the or oh, wait, wait, hold on. Mm-hmm. What do you mean? What do you, What do you mean? What do I mean? What do you mean it wasn't real? That's exactly what I mean to say. You, you can see it. Uh huh. Unless it was only then just created. Yeah. Triforce can reproduce. What I'm saying is that low roll is not a world in and of itself. Uh-huh. Oh, okay. I see where you're going. Yeah. And I think that's the most satisfying way to read that whole game, actually. The Triforce does warn you that now that land will disappear at the end of Link to the Past. But it doesn't tell you how long that's going to take. Oh. Ooh. That's what I think low roll is. And what they refer to as the Lorulean Triforce is actually just the Triforce. Oh. Oh, no. Hmm? <laughs> wow, this is also about low rule. Charlotte writes in and asks, If the Triforce is three big force gems... God damn it. ...and force gems are gratitude crystals, and low rule has a Triforce, maybe the real reason for low rule's decline is that people stop being appreciative of what they had, which weakened the triangle-shaped gratitude crystal force gems that they call the Triforce. Perhaps Link Between Worlds is a story about counting your blessings and not taking anything for granted, like Link and Zelda do, as the good Christians they are. The expression on Cam's face right now is pretty good. I would describe it as shell-shocked. What's your take on this, Crystal? Huh. I mean, it doesn't seem to make sense. It seems like the kind of mail that you would write in yourself, to be perfectly honest. (laughs) No, Charlotte wrote this in without me telling her to do so. Okay, you're sure. Um... The Triforce is not three big force gems, though. Oh, fuck. Crystal, stop calling them big force gems. (laughs) They're the true force. I swear to God, Crystal. They're called the true force. Yeah. How how, how else do you interpret that? Okay. Let's say that you have some gems. Not like force gems. Like actual gems. Let's say you've got some fucking rubies. What are rubies made out of? It doesn't fucking matter. They come from the earth. Okay. And these gems could be called Earth Gems. That does not mean that the Earth is rubies. Wait, I need to draw the pie chart now. No, A pie chart? Yes. Why a pie chart? Uh, rupees, Earth Gems, Earth... No. Gems. Wait, so in your metaphor here, the Force Gems are derived from the Triforce? They are leavings in the creation of the Triforce. Okay. The, so the goddess is the smallest had... fractions of fractions of fractions. But collectively, they're enough to combat evil. Yes. Collectively, they might be used to fight against someone on the level of the wind sorcerer, Vati. But they are nothing like the true force. They are the wood shavings left behind from the sanding of that fucking table. So, so you're saying exactly what I'm saying. They are not big force gems. <laughs> so, if they're wood shavings from the carving of the table that is the Triforce, 
that means they are qualitatively both wood. Yeah, that is what you're saying, Cam. Okay, I'm going back to the other one. <laughs> the earth is not made of rubies. The earth is not a big ruby. Okay. I think I can say that pretty confidently. I, I'd have to look it up, but I'm pretty sure the earth is not a big ruby. I'm I'm abandoning that table metaphor like the big coward I am. <laughs> As is my right and duty. <clears throat> is it joke time? Uh, Are we skipping the joke for now? Okay. Ross? I, I, I don't know. It's Crystal's in charge of the damn podcast. Crystal, let's, lead let's us. Let's read Ross's email. <clears throat> who, do we, who do we want to read this one, Crystal? Hi, everyone. You were discussing the imagery of Skyview and Earth Temples in Skyward Sword. And it was briefly asked why there was no sea temple. In some Asian cosmologies, earth and the heavens, or the mortal and immortal, are opposites. Makes sense. This is a big enough of a deal that in Beijing, there's a temple of heaven and a temple of earth, Mm. both of which I have visited. At every solstice, the emperor would pray at one of these temples, and sometimes sacrifices of produce and livestock would be burnt. I'm fairly confident the people at Nintendo had this cosmology in mind, and were aware of Beijing's temples when they made this game. Even the idea of going to the two sites to pray, Zelda to awaken the power of Hylia, the Chinese emperor for continued good harvests and fortune, seems like the game makers had this in mind. You pointed out there's Buddhist and other imagery, which really drives this point home even more, even if the game imagery is all hodgepodge. And by the way, no, Beijing's temples didn't resemble Zelda's dungeons much. I'm pretty sure there were no death traps, so there might have been treasure chests nobody's allowed to touch. They were great to visit, and I'd recommend them to everyone. Cheers, Ross in Saskatchewan. Neat. Yeah, I think the the whole sky and earth in as um, polar opposites of each other works. Crystal, if I remember, you were the one who asked why there was no sea temple. Right, I was thinking in their Pokemon Ruby and Sapphire style, where it was literally the the sky and the sea. And the lands. Oh. But it makes more sense if it's more like the cosmological heaven and earth. Well, the, the divine and the profane. Well, see, that's interesting because I thought you were asking that question because, strictly speaking, uh, the Legend of Zelda series doesn't usually deal in dichotomies. That's true. It doesn't. It prefers the number three. It does. It always goes with the number three. Even in the ancient cistern or the Skyward Sword cosmology in and of itself, there's three layers, the surface, the sky, and the heavens. And eventually, um, the two springs turns into three. And Breath of the Wild. Yeah. I think that is, it's certainly possible that um, the makers of Skyward Sword, even if they weren't aware of the specific uh, temples in Beijing, that enough of that Chinese cosmology spread to japan of course that makes sense but i also in the very nintendo way of things there isn't a third temple because there wasn't space or thinking of it there that's why it is it's like whoopsie doodle but there does end up being a third temple for the spring of power spring of no was that the spring of wisdoms that got added in for breath of the wild Hmm. because the spring of power is the at the earth temple right hilia got an email and she was like, oh, yeah, damn, I forgot. And then she retconned time. As sometimes happens. Right, as you do. My bad. The dragon break. Whoopsie doodle. Well, also, maybe if you create another spring that you have to, you know, purify yourself in, maybe they would have ran out of time. Maybe. 
Or that It's like I know three is very important, but some big bad guys chasing after us and some big toothy toe guy is going to break out, so we gotta crop and snip out that extra one. Sorry. And this is something that happens in canon where Hylia is like, Hold on, we gotta trim this. Uh-huh. Oh, okay. And her sisters are complaining. Oh. Who are, who are her sisters? The Trinity. Oh, hold on. Zel- Hylia is sister to the old gods? In this email scenario, yes. Oh, okay. Hylia is the Steven universe of the gods. Specifically, Hylia as incarnated in Zelda. Sure. That works too good, Crystal. <laughs> I, I, I'm taken off guard by it. No, wouldn't it be that Zelda is Steven? Well, I mean, Zelda is Hylia. Right. No, I mean, Just like, like Stephen highly... is Rose. Yeah, that's what I mean. But Stephen isn't Rose. Stephen is Rose's son. In the same right. sense, though, you could make a solid argument that Zelda isn't Hylia except when she chooses to be. She is still herself first. She just has the memories and powers of this other person, which is the source of some big crying later on in the game, which I think we'll probably get to in part two of part five. Pearl is Nehru. Oh, no. Amethyst is Ferori. And Garnet is Din. Okay, what's your Din with her great flaming arms? What's your what's what 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 what's your logic behind those picks? Uh, Pearl's smart, Garnet's strong, and Amethyst is courageous. So how do Ruby and Sapphire play into this? Ruby and Sapphire, of course, are the components that make up Garnet, who is Din, who is herself made up of Dinral and Elden. Yay! What? You're saying that the the dragon and the other dragon combined would be the old god Din. Yes, I'm. I'm so glad that we've reached this point. No, you I asked. Read the joke. I did ask. Oh, you, Monica wants to read the joke. Yeah. Okay, Monica is. Yeah. It's joke the time. Joke. Okay. Wait, no, wait. There's a summary of where people can reach us. Time. Where can people reach you? Yes, you can find me. On Twitter, at CamWriter. You can find me at Arcane Crystal. You can find me on AudioEntropy.com on podcasts like Let's Place, the show where we scientifically and objectively rank every video game according to quality, and MCU Complete Me, the show where we talk about all the Marvel movies and decide if they're good or bad. Our next episode uh, will be Venom, which I hear is very good. Is that what you hear? Yeah. What's the what's the Rotten Tomatoes for Venom? It's Venom Rotten Tomatoes. Do you want all critics or do you want top critics? Give me both. Uh, well, the audience score is eighty-eight. Uh huh. And that uh, all critics tomato meter is thirty percent. Uh huh. <laughs> top critics eighteen percent. Okay. Wow. Just checking. That's a big difference. That is a power gap. Uh, you know, sometimes reviews are wrong. People liked Infinity War. You're not wrong. That's true. And people didn't like Speed Racer. Didn't they? I've never they seen didn't. Speed Racer, so I don't have an opinion on it. That's oh, the best movie. They didn't like Blade Runner. The best movie. 2088 either. 2070. What was 70. the new Blade Runner? 2080? I think it's an 80. 2048. 2049. Wait, did reviewers not like... Reviewers, I think, thought it was okay. The audience it is 87% Rotten Tomato. Oh, okay. Reviewers did not like Citizen Kane, rightfully. <laughs> this is boring as fuck. Take that, Orson Welles. Yeah, Orson Welles. 
It was only liked in retrospect decades later. Prick. Take that. Omnicon? Casablanca's a better movie of the same era. Oh, I love Casablanca. Oh, don't get her started on Casablanca. Or do. Rosebud. <laughs> Have you watched Casablanca, Crystal? Yeah, yeah it's a great, great movie. Crystal, I don't remember the URL of your Patreon. Oh, it is patreon.com slash arcanecrystal. What can I get if I'm a member? Uh, you can get podcasts early and you can get exclusive podcasts. Ooh. What sort of exclusive podcasts are there? Uh, Let's Place, Let's Place, the show where we scientifically and objectively rank every episode of Let's Place according to quality. That seems a mad task. Have you gotten mm-hmm. to the Zelda one yet? No, we haven't. Damn it. They, well, <laughs> it, when we were, I've currently pre-recorded like four episodes. So when we record a new one, maybe. Okay, yeah, it is randomly selected, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, you're going to hit a stopping point pretty fast, right? There's only enough material for, what, 17 episodes right now? Yeah. But then we can start Let's Place, Let's Place, <laughs> Let's Place. Okay, that's only like three or four episodes. Yeah, and then we can do Let's Place. No. <laughs> let's Place, Let's Place, Let's Place. Okay, that's only one episode, and then you're finished. But then there will keep being more. Oh, okay. Yeah, I guess so. But the further out you get, the easier it is. Yeah. Monica, would you like to... <laughs> yes. Okay, here's Please. the joke. What do you call a Hylian that doesn't return to the surface? What? A Skylian. <laughs> yeah! Good joke. Yeah, Thank yeah, you. Yeah, it is I.